You're listening to the Story Embers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 63, Creating Tragic Heroes. Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. I'm your host, James Nola. I'm Laurie Scott. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're talking about the topic, tragic heroes. A few months ago, we talked about sympathetic villains and anti-heroes here on the podcast, and we received a great response from David that I'd love to talk about on today's episode. David writes, Thank you for your thoughts about anti-heroes and villains from a Christian perspective. I think that my definition of anti-hero could more fit the label tragic hero, someone like Don Corleone from The Godfather, someone who has a fatal flaw that gets the better of them by the end, so that they're not really a villain, but they're a person who doesn't overcome and there is no contrast. They are the main character. In The Godfather, he achieves the external goal, while losing the internal goal, a negative character arc. On the flip side, a biblical antihero is Samson, a terrible person used by God for good, even listed as a person of faith in the New Testament. He follows a more traditional arc of losing everything in order to change. So, I'd love to bring you guys into this conversation. Let's talk about tragic heroes today and continue our discussion on the different character arcs we see in stories. So, my first question for you guys today as Christian writers and readers, what are some ways that negative character arcs can be utilized in powerful ways, both thematically and symbolically? So, my first thought when thinking about this question is to go back to what is arguably the first book on storytelling ever written, which is Poetics by Aristotle. Uh, One of the many topics that Aristotle covers in Poetics is he talks about why are tragedies needed and what's the value of, to put in modern terms, negative arcs as well as positive arcs. And one of the things he says is that if we want to learn something, we need to see bad examples in addition to good examples. And he gives the illustration of musicians. He says, you know, a good musician needs to both know what good music sounds like and what bad music sounds like. If a musician doesn't understand what bad music sounds like, he's probably not going to be a terribly good musician. And so I think when we're thinking about virtue, a similar principle applies here. That's what Aristotle argues in Poetics. I mean, I'd argue that we can also argue and believe that as Christians, that if we want to understand what virtue looks like, we need to understand both what do heroes look like and what do villains look like. And of course, that's what we see in scripture. We need stories like the story of the rich young ruler that remind us what a, a negative arc looks like and what a tragedy is, because in some ways that gives us a, a, a poignant motivation to do the right thing in a way that the positive arc stories don't. We both need to be reminded of what is the value of pursuing righteousness 
And also be reminded at the same time of what are the dismal ends that can truly come to us if we don't decide to do the right thing. That's one of the reasons why I have read and enjoyed a number of tragedies. I feel like they help me, both particularly from a moral perspective of having you know those two ideals in front of me at all times, both what does true heroism look like and what is the cost of, of not acting heroically when the chips are down. So those are, are some of my initial thoughts on the value of negative arcs and tragedies. I feel like all stories, in one way or another, they always have that mix of tragic characters who are going to go through their negative character arc and fail miserably, and heroic characters who are going to succeed because they do the right thing. But I think a story will shift genres depending on how heavy the presence of the tragic hero is versus the presence of the hero. When tragedy is mentioned, I always think of Shakespeare. I think high school has conditioned me to think of Shakespeare whenever anyone says tragedy. But a lot of his stories where everyone dies because people like Macbeth are stupid and decide murder solves all their problems. Even if everyone pretty much dies, at the end there's always one or two survivors and there's always a contrast. There's always an innocent character thrown in there somewhere that provides us with a glimpse of, to pull off of Josiah's metaphor, good music looks like. So the best way to impact someone, a reader, with a negative character arc is to both make sure you have that contrast there and then also determine what the ratio of that contrast should be to best serve your audience. So if you're writing in a genre like horror that's really known for the tragedies and characters making bad decisions and dying for them, then your presence of your tragic heroes is going to be a lot more than it would be, say, in a YA fantasy that is known for the success of the hero. So it kind of depends on what audience you're going for and what representation of the tragic hero, how heavy that presence is, would help them. So I suppose know your audience, first of all, when you're trying to decide how your tragic hero is going to impact the story and impact readers. Kind of looking at some of the tragic heroes, I'm one of those, I like my stories to be happily ever after. I get very, very upset. Josiah, I know you said you like to read some of those tragedies. They bother me so much. I get so upset by them. And yet there are some things, there's something that draws you to these characters when you read them. I I have to admit it, there is. I remember a movie I watched was... 310 to Yuma, I think it was called. It was about a train ride. It had Russell Crowe in it. And Russell Crowe was a bad guy and he made bad choices. But he does make a little choice at the end to do something good, that redeeming character, that one little thing that you can hold on to. And his famous quote is, even bad men love their mamas. (laughs) So a lot of times I think when we have these negative characters, one way we can make them more powerful is to give them just that touch of humanity so we can be like, oh, I really want to hate you, but I kind of like you too. And and what is it about you that makes me want to root for you to make the good choice? And then my heart is just broken a thousand times over when you make that bad choice. That also makes the story more memorable because you put yourself through such anguish looking at some of the choices that these characters make. I love that. That's really fascinating. My next question for you guys, what are some ways to portray tragic heroes within Christian writing? 
and how does the tragedy differ between the external circumstances causing the tragedy, something like Romeo and Juliet, to use another Shakespeare example, and the internal conflict causing the tragedy, something like The Godfather. So I would tend to say that if you're going to do a tragic hero effectively, nine times out of ten you do need to have an internal conflict that's present in every case. There's a distinction between stories where the world is more to blame and the characters are more to blame. But I think generally speaking for the story to work, while disillusionment arcs do exist, where a large part of the story is trying to say something about the world, you can think about classic dystopians uh, like 1984 or Brave New World and such would fall into this camp. Generally, you do want the protagonist to also have some kind of contributing factor as well, unless the story is just trying to make a point about the nature of the world in general. You know, when you look at something like Romeo and Juliet, while there's a lot that the Capulet and the Montague families bear the blame for, Romeo and Juliet also do not make the brightest decisions themselves, you might say. And they have culpability in the story, even if there's also culpability that their families share. I think a lot depends on the themes of the story, as you're trying to decide how much do I want uh, external circumstances beyond uh, the protagonist's control to play into things. But I do think that you tend to be getting on dangerous ground the more that's dependent on the world. Uh, If readers feel like no matter what the protagonist does, they're going to lose they're probably going to be pretty disappointed by the story because we want the protagonist to be responsible for whether they they succeed or fail. There are a few stories like the classic dystopians that are able to pull this off, but I think it's just a lot more of a tricky balance to weave. And nine times out of ten, you do want the protagonist to have some amount of agency in whether they succeed or fail by the story's end. I agree with that, Josiah. I think that was well said. And it is sometimes hard to navigate those different things. I think you're going to have a little bit of both no matter how you slice it. For me, when I was trying to frame the question, I was looking at outside causes versus inside causes. And I think if it's an outside cause, the reader kind of bands with you and they're like rooting for you because it's you and your character the reader and the character against all those things pushing against. When it's internal, I'm going to have to connect with that personally for that to be more of a battle that I might still be rooting for you. But like you were saying, the character itself has a little bit more agency. And I think regardless of whether you're writing a tragic hero from the external or the internal conflicts, if that hero is going to be the main character for the entirety of the novel, I think some of the most important things that you can do is to get the readers on their side, so to speak. A reader can read about a tragic character and be like, wow, you are making terrible choices. And morally, I don't agree with you. But they can also 100% root for the character to find redemption or find peace because they know where they're coming from and their goals are somehow relatable. So I think when you're creating a tragic character and you're trying to get the reader to weather a lot of scenes where this character is making bad choices that not only hurt the main character, but hurt the characters around them that the reader might like, you have to make sure you spend a considerable amount of time not telling, but showing in scenes what is motivating and pushing this character 
to become who this tragic character is becoming. So, for example, if your character is a control freak and he's going about his life trying to control and manipulate people so that he feels safe and he feels that his loved ones are also safe, every scene that that character is going to be in and every time he's manipulating people, we're going to see it and be like, wow, that's a trash thing for a human being to do. But because we've been shown in earlier scenes his care for his family and his determination to keep them safe, and then we've been shown before that some consequences and some nasty things that have happened in this person's life that have made them so obsessed with taking care of their own like pains that they've gone through, then we gain this understanding. So as you are trying to portray a tragic hero in a Christian context, responsibility is key, but also balancing showing that culpability with showing the cause and effect and the emotions and the pains that brought that character to where they are, or else it will be very difficult for the reader to learn from them. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, So to throw a question at you guys, how would you think about a character who is a hero who fails, someone like, I'm thinking Orpheus in the Greek myth, Orpheus and Eurydice, how he's someone we can really root for the whole time, but who fails at the end. How might you go about portraying a character like that? Uh, Not to go back to Aristotle, but I'm going to be a a bit of an Aristotle stan for this episode, because I think Aristotle really got the nature of tragedies. Aristotle describes a tragic hero as an otherwise good person, who has a fatal flaw that they're not able to conquer. And I tend to think that that's often the way to go. When crafting a negative character arc is you do want a character who's sympathetic, that we can understand, that we're rooting for, but there's that one thing about them that they just can't quite conquer in their life, which is the thing that's going to do them in in the end. Yeah, we see that with Orpheus. Orpheus is a very admirable guy. He's very courageous. He's willing to go all the way to Hades itself in order to try and get Eurydice back, but he just doesn't have the resolve to do it all without the encouragement that she's there with him. And it's that doubt. Well, kind of depends on which version of the story on what exactly Orpheus's uh, fatal flaw is. Uh, There's a lot of different versions of the story out there with different answers, but it all comes down to one fatal flaw that he has one way or the other uh, that keeps him from being able to succeed. So my last question I want to throw at you guys, how can you create a powerful climax of your story when either portraying a tragic hero who fails or an anti-hero who succeeds? We want to be able to root for this person. Otherwise, we're not going to enjoy the story. There's got to be something that draws us to them. So that powerful climax is going to have to be a point where there's no return. You have to make this choice. And you can either choose this or you can choose that. And we so desperately maybe want them to choose one thing and then they don't. But you have to get to that point where it is crucial. We're on a hinge. It's got to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think when you've set it up well, like Lori said, a lot of the principles we've already talked about um, are going to end up applying here in the climax uh, to pull it off. Uh, Aristotle calls this catharsis. When you look at the protagonist and both pity him 
because you see that he was an otherwise good character. But you're also kind of afraid because you realize that, hey, if this didn't exist in my own life and I don't uh, conquer it, maybe this will happen to me as well. The one final thing, though, that I will say about, particularly when you've got a negative character arc and are depicting that, is that I think it's still important to make sure that there's a residue of hope that's left at the end of the story. You can see this consistently in Shakespeare's plays. There's always at least one person who learned from the experience, and there's hope for him in the story that he's going to tell. Now, some of the stories in Shakespeare, there's not many survivors. I think in Hamlet, there's one servant who survives the ordeal where we have hope for them in the future. Uh, other stories, there's more. In Romeo and Juliet, we have hope that the rest of the Capulets and the Montagues are going to get together. But I think it's important, even if the protagonist fails, don't let all the characters in the story fail. Have at least one character who does not fail, who succeeds where the readers can be like, okay, even though the protagonist failed, this character is on an upward direction. I think the real satisfaction of a tragedy is seeing where the hero has failed and knowing where they should have gone right. So it's not necessarily, there is an emotional release, but that knowledge too is also very important. So if there's a way in the climax that you can make it clear that this character had a choice, like Laura was saying, and they didn't make it, but also make it so that the readers can understand and realize for themselves, things would have been completely different if you would have just done something a little different somewhere along the road or have that realization moment for the reader themselves. I think that's really important to go along with the catharsis. So then you can, as the book closes, like Josiah was saying, reflect back and be like, ah, this could potentially happen to me. That was very well said, Gabby. Thank you so much, Laurie, Josiah, and Gabby for your inspiring thoughts on today's episode. And a special thank you to David for sending in the question that ignited this discussion. If you have a thought or question you'd like to share based on one of our episodes, we'd love to hear about it. Please email us at info at to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. And finally, join us again on August 21st for the next episode on the Story Embers podcast.